All right, sorry okay. guys, small technical issue there. On my, I think I dropped my book on the pause key. I mean, on the spacebar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big book. <laughs> what a, what a great cold intro for the podcast, though. So, Eck is going to work on his basic skills like holding books during this podcast. I hope that's acceptable for everyone. I wasn't even holding it; it was just on my but desk. <laughs> how did you drop something you weren't even holding? Well, I like okay, so. It's sitting on my desk, right? I kind of leaned it to take a look at all of these beautiful chess names. And um, it I, does have a dramatic personnel. That is, yeah. that's accurate. And that's and I actually leaned helpful. it back down. And yeah, I, I think I must have put it on the space bar. This is the first uh, physical book I've read for the podcast in quite some time, actually. Even though I've had a lot of the physical books, mm-hmm. I've ended up just reading ebooks. And for this one, uh, I decided that. Just listen to that that sound there. Mm, that is, I like that. That's the sound of petting a book. But uh, I'm going to have to reintroduce the podcast now. So, Okay. So this is a podcast for those of you watching on YouTube right now. Uh, we don't usually interact with chat very much during these because it is a podcast recording. But at the end, we do take questions. So we are reading the entire time. But uh, just know you have our passive I don't, I don't read. I don't care about them. That, yeah, Eck can't read. That's that's true. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, let, let's get ready. Let's go. Are you prepared? Yep. Do you remember all the character names? No. Oh, yeah, you read the book? I listened to the book. Okay, then recite it from memory for me. Thrawn, Mithron Nerodo, Myth Family Merit Adoptive. <laughs> all right, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Okay. <laughs> Hello there, everyone, and welcome to TapCap Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast. Uh, I, I could do the bit we did again, but Eck ruined it with technical difficulties. Yeah. But uh, but I, Corey, am joined, as always, I was going to say as usual, by my my phenomenal, competent Ooh. co-host. Competent? Uh, yes. Downright acceptable all the time. Mm. Mr. Eckhart's Justin Ladder. Yeah. How are you doing, Justin? I'm pretty well. You know, I've got a little issue with my toenail right now that's not very ac- epic. I don't epic. know if we want to get into that on the stream or not. Is it the same one that you dropped the patio stones on? Yeah, I dropped a patio stone on my toenail. My toenail broke. I got stitches through it. I pulled the stitches out like you're supposed to. Now the toes nail's falling off, and I can't really walk very well, and I have to be on antibiotics, and I'm probably just going to chop my whole foot off and just be done with it. That seems like a good way to handle it. Mm-hmm. Adapt, overcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, for real though, like uh, the other day, I was I had my foot up on the uh, on my like I don't know like my little coffee table in my living room. Yeah. Gus came up with two fingers, squeezed oh, no. my my toe, and I screamed. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this story. I screamed. Yeah, it was not fun. Yikes! Not fun. Don't. Nope. Can I please forget that story? I won't talk about it anymore unless you ask. But uh, right. what, what I'll we consider it for talk later. About before we get into the book, is any interesting and neat Star Wars news that may or may not be going on this week, Corey? Uh, I honestly like I was talking to Dana before the stream, and mm-hmm. I forgot that we streamed Fall Guys last night. So <laughs> maybe there was. I don't remember anything happening. Hmm. I mean, there was some shots of the Mandalorian, like some promo images. Did you catch those? Spoiler alert! Uh, I saw the, like... the front of the 
I saw like the magazine cover. Yeah. Thing that he still that looks was, like the Mandalorian. I mean, yeah, I, a lot of it was just like okay, yeah. it's. Yeah. But was there anything else that uh, that caught your eye? Mm, besides for the beautiful blue outline of this book, Squadrons yeah. did go gold today. So that's right, going to that's be released true. despite uh, COVID and all that other malarkey. Squadrons is going to come out on time. Yeah, that is pretty epic. Little light in the darkness. It's that and my unborn child is the only two things getting... And Gus, I guess, and Kelsey. Those are the only four things getting me through the uh, the okay. year. Murphy yeah, and that's... Remy, they, they're not doing it for me anymore. The cat, certainly not doing it anymore. Hmm. All right, me and Charlie are just... Uh, we're out, I guess. You guys are above the dogs, but below my family. Uh, still offended. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about Star Wars, colon, Thrawn, colon, Ascendancy, colon, Chaos Rising, by Timothy Zahn, number one New York Times bestselling author. I am just reading the front cover of the book right now. You this... forgot to say Thrawn Shadow Dragon. Thrawn Shadow Dragon actually sounds like a book I'd read. I would, yeah, Shadow Dra that sounds epic, but um, this is, of course, book one of the new Chaos, or, or sorry, Thrawn Ascendancy, Ascendancy Trilogy, and we are going to be going heavily into spoilers. This is the, I think, probably the earliest we've ever covered a new book, Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know what's going on, we will be going into full spoilers about everything in this book, and there are some major things that you can spoil, I yeah. guess. The thing I Well, do you want to... Before we do that, do you want to just give like a quick spoiler-free thumbs up, thumbs down, maybe two sentences? Because the podcast will yes. be almost okay. entirely going into huge spoilers. For anyone who's with us right now, if you want to just get our thumbs up, thumbs down, like our recommendation or not, yeah. we'll do that. You can head out, read the book, come back, and please make sure you come back. Like it is crucial that you come back. Uh, we'll stop talking for like three seconds after we give our recommendations. You can come back at that point. Mm -hmm. You have that time to read the book, and then we'll keep going. Yes. So, Justin, you first. Have you ever wondered whether anyone's like lost their virginity watching, listening to this podcast? Just as an aside, before I give my... Well, we know someone was in surgery while listening to the podcast, or performing surgery while listening to the podcast. So I, Hopefully I'm going to say without a doubt. <laughs> it was the same situation? Yeah. Why is it with the surgery, the without a doubt, the losing virginity thing? What do you think? Well, I just, do, it just Corby? seems like that's... Do you need to talk about your past hospital experiences? I haven't been to a doctor in years, thank you. But, uh, no, so, I, I mean, like, that just seems like the less likely thing. You really think that... Never mind, I'm not going to insult our viewers. <laughs> or myself. Um, yeah, I, for me, I'll just say thumbs up, enjoyable book. Um, I, I'm in, Look, interested if you're, in the trilogy. If your second kid wasn't conceived while listening to back episodes of Tap Calf Transmissions, listen. I don't know. Whenever Kelsey's why are we even not, doing this? Whenever Kelsey's not in the mood, all I do is I say, "Hey Google, play uh, play Spectre of the Past um, on Audible," and the second Mark Thompson's voice comes up and starts, you know, reading. Well. <sighs> How are you supposed to perform without the mental list of how attractive Cornhorn would find? Like, tell me about those Boston saboteurs. Hmm. Anyways, what did you think of the book? 
I liked it. I listened to this one fully on audio on audible book audio book sorry on audible uh, It was a good way to listen to it. The only problem was like there There are a lot of chiss names and there's a lot of like I don't I hardly remember any of the alien names in this book I think we were kind of talking about the last night. Otherwise though really I, I enjoyed it. I it was yeah. it'd be a thumbs up I'm, I'm probably gonna give it a B a B I think Okay, you're you're jumping way too far ahead with that. Yeah. And I don't appreciate that. All right, you, you go ahead then. I very love it. Um Really? So That's good. If if anyone's been following since the uh the our coverage of the Thrawn trilogy, there were some kind of specific issues that I had with that where I thought like there were ways that Timothy Zahn handled Thrawn better. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a character in some of the later stuff. And yeah. this kind of is almost like a middle ground of the stuff that I liked about the I original Thrawn trilogy as well that. as the second Thrawn trilogy and just how he's handled as a character there. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff that I thought was kind of... Uh, had some rough edges in the Thrawn trilogy, I feel like he's improved as a writer enough that mm-hmm. he's kind of fix the issues I have with some of that. Like the stuff where Thrawn is like a, an impenetrable art genius. You still get that character trait and that reason for why he's as good at, at what he does as he is. But mm. it's presented in a way that I feel like is ends up being better. So... Yeah. All right. That's probably as, uh, as far as yeah. I can go without talking about spoilers. So if you guys don't want to be spoiled, leave now. I'll give you five seconds. Five, four... Three, if you like Up on two. Flight, read this book. Okay. If you like Up on Flight, read this book. The one thing that I wanted to say that was a spoiler is I had no idea where this book was going to fit in on the timeline. Mm-hmm. So I was a little surprised to like to find out that it fully intersected with Thrawn Alliances. Like, Thrawn Alliances takes place within this book. Yeah. Um, and I actually kind of thought it would be set before where outbound flight would have been set comparatively yeah that was and it's actually set immediately after and essentially directly references the events of outbound like it does directly reference the events of outbound flight obviously outbound flight is part of the legends continuity and not necessarily canon but by implication a lot of those events are brought back in wait which events from outbound flight are brought in all of them uh it's kind of like right at the start where we're hearing where thrawn is coming from Control F and was one of the things I Google. I, I it doesn't it doesn't say outbound flight. Okay. Uh, well, it does in the Star Wars specifically on the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just saying. Thanks. No, I I missed this, so I'm interested. Uh, yeah. So there's later on in the book there's reference to Thrawn getting command of Picket Force Two, which is his task force in uh in outbound flight but right at the right. start when we're hearing where he's that's coming in a from memory right uh yes that part is in a memory so he had it before the book because parts of the yes. book let's just explain that before we move on so there's the main storyline then there's also memories which like they go all the way back to when throne was a cadet so we should just make that clear yeah anyway, uh, sorry. but yeah, so somewhere near the start, I can't remember exactly where is. I think it might even be in chapter one. Okay. But you hear about Thrawn coming back from his mission and how he was kind of in trouble for losing all this alien technology, which is the Vagari interdiction thing, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, having this kind of botched mission almost. And there was a reference to his brother dying. Uh, like, I don't think they use Thras's name specifically. 
and they don't directly reference characters like George Cardass or anything, mm-hmm. but it is very heavily like this is essentially what he would have written as a direct sequel to Up on Flight, and it, it seems like he intended to do that. Because one of the things with Timothy Zahn is that he's never, he doesn't like being beholden to other people's work. So mm-hmm. essentially, when he's writing yeah, sure. his stuff, he's essentially he considers there's like his the stuff Timothy Zahn expanded canon. universe. <laughs> yeah, and to him, that's what's important, and yeah. uh, so that that kind of comes through here, and there it it pretty much lays out that like yeah this is this is right after Thrawn and Arlani are coming back from uh, from exploding some CIS stuff it had been ages since I had read that so I guess I I guess I just missed most of those uh, most of those references I don't have uh, I don't have an ebook version Jacob said I I do so if you was Thras mentioned by name I don't see the word Thras in here just control F brother. And you should probably. Mm, I've got like a weird like early publisher's right. review, so it doesn't, it's not. Let's see. But, anyways, there's that stuff, yeah. and we can. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. So maybe I should. Like, I was thinking maybe I'd do a video on that, and I thought, like, yeah. no, that's too. But I, I guess if you didn't no, get it, then no, maybe I, it's. I didn't, I didn't get it at all, so. I guess we're going to need to read Outbound, th- Outbound, Outbound Flight again sometime soon. Yeah. That's a really good book. Yeah. So read Outbound Flight and read Thrawn Alliances. Like my one of like I I usually put Outbound Flight as one of my like top Star Wars books before. Mm -hmm. And because I I kind of felt like it did a similar thing with Thrawn where you got a better explanation of who he was and uh the character was handled better. That was uh kind of continued on here but done even better with like chiss as a whole because mm-hmm. the presentation of chiss and outbound flight and in previous iterations of things kind of they're hard to grasp as characters like they're too aligned with what their cultural ideals are presented as so you kind of lose them as individuals mm-hmm. uh i found that was kind of this... true of the empire of the hand as well yeah yeah sorry but and I, I think this handles them much better where you get the idea of like this are this is how their culture is set up these are their institutions and then these are how the individuals kind of see themselves fitting within that and how Thrawn plays around with those rules and how he's mm-hmm. able to get away with as much as he is yeah. when he is clearly flaunting them all the time yeah for me like the chits are kind of similar there's also some pretty big differences um didn't both legends and canon sort of have the chiss being weird about technology don't they especially droids yeah um, i think legends was didn't the chiss also weren't they kind of anti-force in legends as well which i don't i don't think, know that they were anti were they anti-force or maybe they just didn't know anything about it. i can't remember like it's i all feel like really they, they generally weren't together. shown to have much in the way of mm-hmm. force talent like it was considered rare that uh mm-hmm. Uh shit! What's her name? She's the CIS, uh, the CIS uh, and yeah, yeah, there was there was some like Chiss Force user stuff that went along with that where she was trained. But uh, and it's been so long since I've read that, that I could be really yeah, that's the one yeah. that I I'm definitely fucking up that lore a lot. But mm-hmm. uh, there there was some stuff with that that existed, but it it wasn't really a huge mm-hmm. connection that was ever made. Yeah, I will say though, like the so. 
the, I, this book is a lot of world building. I was at times unhappy with the world building because I guess I wanted more straight up, like, at, like I wanted more from like a, like an, an all knowing narrator, I guess, where most of the world building is just done through the chess and about the family and stuff. And you're kind of put into the position of like, just people who are in the Chiss Ascendancy, so you don't really learn a lot of the mysteries about the region, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but I did like... I think I, I, the Unknown Region has never really been betrayed in this way, I don't think. like No. It's almost like a like feudal kingdoms in a way. Um, well, the, you do kind of get that from some source books before, but it's just such an untouched area of the mm. lore where uh, having like this much description of different groups and how they interact mm -hmm. is definitely rare like mm -hmm. usually it's when we do get stuff from it it's like everything that's from the unknown regions has to be this secret mystery that's untouched by all the other secret yeah. mysteries and then there's the chiss somewhere in there and they yeah. kind of do what they want and maybe there's some stuff that threatens the chiss uh or is there for the chiss to kick around yeah but here you get a much better picture of like it is this vast collection of different mini mm -hmm. nations all interacting with their close neighbors, but no one's really able to get around well enough for there to be a huge interacting yeah. system. Uh, whereas before in Legends, you have stuff like the Rakatan Archipelago that lasts up until even the modern times. Uh, but in like the world's conquered by the Lugubra, but not much sense that there's actually stuff that happens there. Well, I think one other major problem that Star Wars has whenever they introduce unknown regions or whatever else is that they spend a lot of time talking about how isolated this part of space is, but then in a book or whatever else, it'll be like, the Millennium Falcon flew to this planet far deep into the unknown regions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they set up this, but they never follow through. But in this mm -hmm. book, you know, it really does a good job of showing that there is this huge separation between the unknown region, what they call chaos in the book, and um, the rest of the galaxy, which mm -hmm. Ron calls lesser space, which I thought was quite funny. Because, like, yeah. this is taking place at, like, the height of the Clone Wars, and they don't really even know anything is going on. Um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it was cool to see all the different alien species. I did, as I mentioned, I sort of had trouble kind of differentiating all of them. Um, but that might just be kind of problems with how I read. Um, rather than yeah, I feel like we got a decent amount of information about, like, the Garwians... Mm -hmm. uh the garwins in the that like really they're the only ones they got much information about the others like the the potatoes well, like, and yeah. the alu alu ones uh yeah. they're basically just there to get shot by people well we do get well, the, 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 the gar the gari garwins and the um Lu what, are, what are they called again the luay yeah well they they just exist for the garwins to shoot at and yes. uh the uh, the Vac Combine, I think it's called. They get a little bit of. I kind of like well. them. They were probably my favorite because you asked me on stream last night which ones are my favorite. I like the Vac Combine, especially kind of at the end. Mm -hmm. But I gotta say, I was, I, th I thought it was a little weird how they played into. So there's sort of this thing that's hanging over much of the book, because as we mentioned earlier, the book goes into the modern day issues that we'll talk about, but also Theron's past. And we know that he's got one kind of blotch on his military record that it's like part of the reason why he's part of the, he's not born 
within the the chiss uh, ascendancy is ruled by these nine families and these are the nine most mm -hmm. important families and there's lots of prestige to being in these families and he's basically adopted into the myth family which is why he's called myth raw Nerodo. although in this book he goes by a slightly different name for some of it um myth raw Nerodo. Nuru, yeah. Um, and I assume the difference is when he becomes like a... I, I assume the distinction is made based on what level of family status he has, but... Uh, I don't think so. I think it's entirely... I think it's something about a different name. We'll probably find out more about that in the next mm -hmm. book. Because the Nuru part was part of his name when he was introduced. Mm -hmm. uh, like when we're going to pick him up and... He's known as Vuron right. uh, because he's part of a different family, and then the myth gets changed, and he becomes Thrawn. Yeah, uh, which is why almost every character is Thr or something. Uh, Yara Lani one was weird. Like her nickname was like, what was it like Yara? Wasn't it with a Z? Wasn't it like, yeah, it was Ziara because her Ziara. name was yeah. Iziri Aralani. Uh, yeah, so. Just, just naming conventions are weird. <laughs> Something we already know. I don't think Legends ever went into that much, like, about it. Really, I, I think no, not necessarily. Was, like that was their full name, basically. But funny yeah, because in Legends there was the the Nerodo family was one of the ruling families as well. So the mm -hmm. fact that Thrawn was Mithra Nerodo, yes, because like Timothy Zahn introduced some of them, and then. Uh, I think the Unknown Region source book is where they all got named mm -hmm. or something similar. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there was a lot that was set up there that wasn't really what he was going for. Mm -hmm. So there was there was some strange stuff that happened. But we get like a full listing of all the royal family or all the ruling families. Yeah, that, I thought that was start nice. Of the book, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I do kind of enjoy the... Um, I do kind of enjoy the, the family interaction like uh, it, it's always frustrating because a lot of what Thrawn books come down to is Thrawn's really smart and capable and he's basically fighting against his own uh his own faction most of the time um so this is definitely like in that sense the family dynamics is something we've seen before but this kind of introduces an extra element into it because yeah we've also got the on one hand the Chiss are very limited in how they um can can fight because they've got this whole uh, no first strike doctrine um, yeah which is interesting and then of course there's always all these family drama especially between the nine major families what do you think the idea be behind the the no strike first doctrine is just not to like like what, what do you think the just philosophy behind that is the idea is basically, like, if they make themselves powerful enough to make it clear that they will never attack mm -hmm. unless directly provoked, yeah. then there's never an idea that in order to achieve whatever other goals in the region mm -hmm. that they need to, uh, that another faction needs to also attack the Chiss Ascendancy yeah. if they're going to go after someone else. Where, then uh, that kind of factors in a lot to this, where it's like they're mm -hmm. trying to take over the Vat Combine who are nearby, and they're taking over all these people nearby. Uh, but the Chist, I guess, feel like if they are just 100% disengaged and they make it seem like it's too big of a risk to take them on directly, then if they don't bother getting into alliances with other people and get involved in what seems like a very chaotic, very violent region, uh, they're just... Or, 
without any sort of like overwriting structure that that's the safest thing for them to do because if mm. they go they're doing what Thrawn wants or what Arlani would want and how she kind of develops her perspective on the other denizens of the unknown region where Thrawn sees them as a way that could help protect the Chiss or Arlani like legitimately cares about them as people crazy idea yeah uh, then there is the implication that like oh if the if some group wants to go after the vac combine they have to deal with the chiss as well because the chiss could become scared and attack so there's no mm-hmm. threat of like like do whatever you want just leave us alone we're going to yeah. be really powerful but we're not building up this power to attack you yeah we just want everyone to know we're going to stay here you know they take it very seriously and that's one of the things because thrawn is kind of just a general security like he, he does want to just protect the region as much as not as much as the chiss but alongside the chiss like he doesn't like standing by and seeing people die. So that it, that's kind of left a little bit nebulous. Where we we get that scene with uh, with Arlani and Thrawn, where he they're asking how each other to kind of see the other people in yeah. the other regions, and Thrawn like assets, assets. And, yeah, yeah, potential allies, potential enemies. Where like he definitely cares more about them on an individual level than. Maybe he lets on, or maybe the other Chiss do. Because, like, the Chiss is a very insular, xenophobic society. They are mm-hmm. 100% them first and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, you're right. Um, So, I guess my kind of lead into this was, throughout this book, we've got this, you know, event that's kind of a, a blotch on Thrawn's record. How did you feel like that was handled? Because... For me, like, I kind of went back and forth on whether the blotch, or sorry, the the issue was that original, basically Thrawn helps out one alien race um, beat another one. He gives them, like, secrets to... Yeah, uh, he helps the Garweans beat the... the, Yeah. And then it turns out he helped the one that was actually being kind of dickish. They use that later on to sort of recapture a bunch of planets and they're aggressive. Yeah. See, I was reading that, and even when it got to the point of the planetary invasion, I was expecting there to still be something else, I guess. Like, I thought there might be... I don't know, like, I thought they were saving some, like, extra surprise, I guess. Because even Alani uh, thought he did the right thing at the time. Yeah, but it's more... I think it was set up more that his failure... Like, the Chiss would see his failure as the intervention... And you're kind of set up to think that it's this big other thing. But for him, the failure wasn't the intervention. It was that he intervened in a way that showed a misunderstanding of the actual situation. Mm -hmm. So there's those two dimensions to it where everyone thinks he fucked up. It's just where, like, there's no, it's not a division that's as simple as, like, he either made a mistake or didn't. Mm -hmm. It's that everyone agrees he made a mistake. It's just how you see the nature of his his mistake is what kind of tells us the most about you as a character. Yeah. Like, do you think he was wrong to intervene or do you think he was wrong because he misread the people and kind of got all these other people killed? Mm-hmm. That, like the Chiss don't care fundamentally whether the Garweans or the la 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 win, mm-hmm. but Thrawn does because that was his misreading the situation. Yeah. And that's kind of another that ties into another major thing that goes throughout this book that wasn't really a, uh you know an element of legends and that's that thrawn is an expert at military strategy but very very poor if not inept when it comes to political strategy yeah 
And I guess when I was reading this book at first, I was like, I couldn't remember to what degree that manifested in other books. I was like, is this something that Thrawn is putting on to seem ignorant? And I, like, remember kind of wondering that a bit previously. Um, but in this book, it's pretty clear that no, he does have real deficiencies. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about all of that because he, he has all the tools to do what he needs to like he he shows a remarkable understanding of alien cultures and whatever else um but in the end i guess he just doesn't understand how beings work politically and it ends up costing him in that situation with the aliens and it kind of makes him navigating um the highly politicized you know chis ascendancy with the ruling families difficult and later on we see that he struggles like when i in I think Thrawn treason maybe when he's dealing with like the construction of the Death Star and stuff he's kind of trying to figure out how all that stuff works yeah I think it's like it's kind of making him socially unaware mm -hmm. in some ways like in other ways he picks up really easily on what people are doing but it, there is still the the lack of awareness for the consequences of his actions or it's a mix of lack of awareness and lack of caring about the consequences of his actions yeah where he kind of his expectation is that everyone is going to put aside whatever their personal gain is for the good of the situation. Mm -hmm. And that's where the disconnect is, I guess, where he can't really see the division between personal interest and uh, what he sees as like the good of the ascendancy. And you kind of see that in uh, the way he treats Sherry and... Uh, Thalion, Thalius, mm -hmm. uh, where on the one hand, he's one of the only people who treats them with any amount of like agency or respect to some extent, but he is also entirely willing to disregard that agency for his own purposes. Mm -hmm. And like he'll Especially treat the them. End, yeah. Yeah. He, he talks about how he can't, uh, yeah, he's putting them in danger, but he can't live with not taking the action to save the Chiss Ascendancy. He's like, mm -hmm. okay, but they don't get a say. It's funny, too, because... Well, it's interesting, because Thrawn in Legends, like in the Thrawn trilogy, he's an expert at... You know, he basically makes himself a new mini-empire after re-emerging. Um, so now he's got a serious blind spot that he didn't have before, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I think part of that is just he learns. Oh, he does learn over time. Like he mm -hmm. kind of picks up on some of the stuff. Yeah, Even we're talking about era though. Like he still has troubles. Like when he's trying to, like, with Krennic. Like, and he doesn't really understand the relationships between like Krennic and like, mm -hmm. yeah, others within the Empire, like Tarkin. But yeah, but I think it's more of an attempt to kind of still keep a lot of the parameters the same, but explain why he could have been so taken mm -hmm. by surprise by rook because mm -hmm. uh, i th i do think like even if thrawn trilogy is not canon anymore i do think th that timothy zahn is trying to keep that character consistent mm -hmm. and in his own mind he kind of still thinks of that story as ending there i think yeah. uh, so like how do you make someone who is so aware of what the broader culture of a place is going to do or what the broader tendencies of a society will be and even uh, the tendencies of an individual in certain cases and so tactically brilliant, uh, how do you make him then fall for the fact that maybe the people that he's oppressing are going to be upset with him and don't mm -hmm. use those as your bodyguards? Mm -hmm. And you kind of just 
take away his ability to see how individuals fit within uh, within the groups that he's analyzing and how like Leia's interaction with uh, like having one person come in and say, hey, maybe this is bullshit wouldn't <laughs> impact the Nogri's ability or willingness to work for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that makes sense. Um, so I guess we should talk a little bit about the most important thing and that is the Thrawn stands that harassed me on Twitter because, okay, first of all, did you think there was any subtext of like, not an actual romantic relationship between Arlani and Thrawn, but like, do you think the book played with that a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So like, I tweeted, we're going, we're going back. I tweeted, oh, can't read that post anymore. Uh, just a second. Okay, I tweeted. I can't get it. I'll, everyone that I'm trying to go back through my posts and read them, but I'm all I'm blocked everywhere. Just one second. I want to start from the beginning. Oh yeah, I said me reading Chaos Rising. I actually wrote Chaos A Rising. Uh, spelling mistake there. And waiting for Thrawn and Arlani to hook up and make beautiful chess babies with that uh, thing of Jack Nicholson nodding really creepy like. <laughs> and yeah, I I liked it. Um. Everything was fine until CEO of Thrawn's Prostate said, Super gross, my dude. Write all the fan fiction you want, but it's clear in the text that they're friends. I said, shut up. If you don't read subtext... I shouldn't have said shut up. If you don't read subtext in like half of their flashback scenes, you're blind. Either way, they're fictional characters. It's not gross. Then I said something about how their name was CEO of Thrawn's Prostate. So maybe they shouldn't be pearl clutching me about fictional characters and their relationships. Um, yeah. And then she said, it is gross when you misread characters so badly that you view them as breeding stock. I was just like, what? Anyway, so that person doesn't follow me, um, of course. And then out of nowhere, there's like three or four other people that start following me. And I find out that these are all like really hardcore Thrawn stands who like well that that uh, woman's name was CEO of Thrawn's Prostate um, there was also oh, where are they one of them had Hunky Thrawn as their header and described themselves as being in love with Thrawn um, it's just like there's this so whole jealousy? I, I think it's because there's a big Thrawn Eli Vanto stand community. <laughs> like, mm. people want that relationship to be a thing. So, by me kind of suggesting that Arlani and Thrawn have that subtext, it's, you know, kind of ruining that. But it's just, there's like this whole side of the Star Wars community that, like, I knew Raylos were a thing. I didn't know, like, Thrawn fans were a thing <laughs> to that degree. <laughs> yeah. I mean,. If you're coming from a perspective where, like, there is just a lot of, like, hardcore erotica fan fiction, mm-hmm. and then uh, you see your tweet without any context of who you are, <laughs> then... Actually, no, the more con- the more context you have of Shut who up. you are, the more likely... There's, like, there's a... It goes kind of like this. Just... The... That you're, you're not necessarily the one making the fanfic, but uh, I can see how maybe you'd get to that conclusion. But if your name is Thrawn's Prostate, yeah. then you're you're probably just upset about which characters are involved in the fanfic rather than 
that someone is suggesting Thrawn be in a romantic relationship of some kind. And it was just, it was so aggressive too. One of the people said, Timothy Zahn, the author himself, you might have heard of him. I have in fact heard of Timothy Zahn, said they were only friends. If all you can do is read subtext, scare quotes, that isn't there between a man and a woman, go jerk off to some fanfic instead. Hmm. Like, I don't understand. What do I do? I mean, do? there's no subtext of them banging but there's like a subtext of them potentially going on on something that could be a date yeah so like specifically having one ask the other to go buy them a drink yeah and there's also right there's like two scenes where and yeah theron is it's not a huge jump to say like it's not a necessarily given thing but it's not a huge jump to make a joke about them no like maybe hooking up in the next two books and like Thrawn is so there's memory so there's the memory sections and a lot of the memory sections are about the evolving relationship between Thrawn and Arlani. They meet when they're they're first in uh, in the academy together. So in one of the early ones, after Arlani gets Thrawn off of a really serious charge at school, he's he basically takes her out, and she's like she expects to go. I forget what the exact words are. She's Back like, to her place well, for that, a that's, drink. That's later, but then she, before that, they're basically going out on a, on what seems like a date because she's like she expected at the very least for there to be drinks. She talks about doing something fun like going to see a show or something like that, and then of course Thrawn takes her to an art museum, and she's like, "This is lame." Yeah. Um, and then oh, let me see if I can find the quote here. Um, now if I control F sticks, I can find it. Okay, so Thrawn tells her all about how he can learn about his about a person's vulnerabilities from their art. Um, so this, this is the, the scene that made me write that tweet. Um, I see, Thrawn said, his voice suddenly subdued. I'm, I thought this would be interesting to you. I'm sorry if I waste your time. I didn't say that, Zira protested, eyeing him as a sudden idea occurred to her. But I'm a practical person, and when I hear a new theory, I like to take it, to, uh, I like to give it a test. I was thinking a little smaller, she said. Come on. She headed towards the exit. Where are we going, Thrawn asked as he caught up with her. My quarters, she said. I do a little wire sculpting in my spare time to relax. You can study it and see how well you can read my personal strategies and tactics. And, I don't know, just... And then, of course, it ends up being that, uh, that they go to a dojo and spar for a couple of rounds but between that and the scene later where they go off and have a drink together and she's touching his arm like there's something there he's just not picking up on it in my opinion yeah yeah i, th- I think that's kind of how it's presented there but like he's stupid no he's not he's not stupid that's rude to say he's 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 not good at social cues it's not hey, stupid better than that to think that everything that uh anyone does with him implies that they're into him. agree that's much much better but that being said, while we're on this topic, it is nice. Uh, it's kind of weird when we're complaining about this with people calling you out for uh, for making it sexual. But it is nice to go from the Darth Bane books to this, yes. where there is like a lot of female characters with zero reference, like without it. Just I don't being, even know who's hot or not. There to, what am I going to yeah. do? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's nice. Um, I agree. And then three out of the four POV characters are females. Uh, yeah. Two two girls and a or two women and a girl, which is nice. much better at this than the Darth Bane books are. Yeah, 
Um, what else was I going to say? Shit. It's it's our, to be fair hard to do it worse than the Darth Bane books did, especially yeah. Path of Destruction, but yeah, still. I just got another thing that really pissed me off is that I got called a um, a man baby, which really um, struck a nerve, and a fanboy, which also mm. struck a nerve, but um, and a bully, but I don't know. Hmm. Uh, one thing that's really funny though about you're only the... one of those <laughs> shut the fuck up I don't even want to know which one it is um, <laughs> the the voice acting in the audiobook is really funny Arlani has a full Russian accent um, Thrawn of course sounds just like Thrawn does in Star Wars Rebels and uh, what's Arlani's um, assistant on the bridge what's her, what's her name again um, Uwu right Utro yeah I think Utro. Yeah, Utro. She has like a cockney British accent and it is so ridiculous. She's like, oi! <laughs> I can sort of get the Eastern European yes. thing because like the Chun is kind of, the words we do have mm-hmm. is kind of based on Hungarian mm-hmm. where Chilla, Silla, it is Chilla, which is, hung- I think it's Hungarian for star. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'd be the most likely yeah, thing Arlani that's based off. So like, fine, kinda... yeah. But going all over the place, governor. Yeah, well, it's like, it's 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 just very, very strange. And I understand you're doing it like, he's only got so many voices that he can make. And he's got a lot of characters to go through. Mark Thompson does a good job. But every one of his books mm-hmm. always has like one of those like british yokels <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so i guess we should probably introduce a little bit the actual what's going on in the um what's going on in the modern in the book story we've talked a bit about the past so the, the past is really just talking about thrawn's kind of thrawn and arlani's evolving relationship and thrawn's kind of early successes and failures and whatnot um then the main um conflict is basically there is this attack on Chilla that starts off the book um and it all stems from really they're just trying to figure out okay who attacked Chilla and why and pretty early on Thrawn uh or I think it's actually is it General Bakif uh, or Thrawn who discovers the uh one of them, anyway, discovers that there's been a refugee ship attacked, and that leads them on a sort of long hunt, which eventually reveals a species known as the Nekardun, who, it turns out, are basically, they're allying with or annexing all of the alien species surrounding the Shis Ascendancy. Um, yeah. They're basically preparing for an attack, and they're led by um, Zim the Despot, no, that's not his name. Uh, Yiv the Benevolent. Yiv the Benevolent. Yiv um, the Benevolent. And he's a he's a pretty interesting character. He kind of goes. Who did you Who did you picture for like what's? Because there's something very specific I pictured for him that I I think I might have pictured for something else recently. But what what was your picture for Yiv? I'm trying to think. I kind of imagined like. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm trying to put myself back into the. I pictured like 
somebody because he's always described it you know even in his name it's he's he's generally of the benevolent i always imagine like a really large guy who's like you know he's very he's laughing all the time but then he like you know snaps into deadliness um so like dr phil maybe <laughs> i'm just joking um i don't know who, like who my mental think? picture for him was always lur lur yeah from futurama oh um i don't wait, wait lur is that who i'm thinking of yeah 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 that's that's basically or like kang and kodos or something <laughs> lur yeah. is actually a pretty good uh a pretty good analogy i think good reference and it was weird because I have like, like I picture Thrawn as Thrawn, like it's a live action movie in my mind. Yeah. But I've still got like the Futurama animation for Lur mm-hmm. for Yiv. And it I don't know, the production value on this movie was pretty terrible. Picture the original guy who played Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, most of the most of the uh, the book is one one thing I did have a problem with in this book is that there's so many little things that Thrawn does and it does in my opinion get to be a little bit stale because it's like all of these Mm. he's going to scout something out or he's going to talk to somebody or like all of these kind of little missions and there's like three or four times there's a couple people stowed in a fighter or a freighter or a sentry it's like okay you you did this already yeah or like he's going to check out how ships are moving or something Um, yeah and I just wish when they had done that, they had injected a little more interesting world building or something. Hmm. Um, that was my main issue. Like the book, I would almost call the book dry for not significant parts, but parts of the book I would say are pretty dry. Um, especially because yeah. Thrawn and Arlani handle everything so clinically. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, where I would have liked to see more of like the... Uh, then like the the non-existent narrator come in and tell us more about the area well that's kind of uh kind of the thing with like the chiss in outbound flight where they're even more like that Mm -hmm. and in this i feel like they get it there's a better balance between uh when they're in professional mode being like super clinical and then thrawn is always kind of that guy yeah but when they're in other situations the other characters who aren't military or even the military characters in more casual settings end up kind of dropping that. Yeah. So you get the sense that it is part of just society, but it's not this society of like purely analytical bland people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I didn't mind the chess as a whole. I thought they were interesting. Like Thrawn is even more of an outlier, I think now than he ever was, um, which I don't know, is good. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I like the uh, the chiss and I I thought the, uh, the what they've done to Chilla was pretty interesting as well, where it turns out that like the majority of the planet, which is supposed to have a population of the billions, has just been straight up abandoned. They yeah, keep like a fake city going there to kind of protect themselves, I guess. Chilla's... Yeah, so it makes the it makes Chilla's kind of descent into iciness much more recent than mm-hmm. it was in legends because that was a part of chilla's uh story because that's why the chiss the are blue time. right in legends yeah yeah 
Whereas like, here, it sounds like that's not the case. I think they say a thousand years ago is like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least a thousand years since they started like really moving yeah. the world for it. Right. Cause that's, that was kind of weird to me. I don't know how you'd keep that secret because like you live in Chiss society. I guess if there's not much motion between planets in the first place, yeah. then it kind of checks out. But like... It's like the majority You've never of... met anyone who's ever met anyone who's ever met anyone who's been yeah, to Yeah, it did kind of strain credi- credibility a bit, especially where, like, they're flying through this portion of the city and there's, like, fake cars and stuff going by. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very North Korea, like, the, yes. the border cities. Yeah, like, I like the giant Pyongyang Hotel or whatever over there in yeah. <laughs> Chilla's Garden District. Um, yeah, because most people believe that most of the citizens have moved underground which in there are still I, I think they say like 10 million uh, people living there or something so it's not like yeah. there's nobody but it had been like 10 million in the capital city is what everyone was led to believe um, yeah I, I enjoyed that scene I also really enjoyed the scene where they go to the uh, gigantic uh, myth cavern basically so because through the whole book you kind of learn like each royal family has like or not royal family each of the nine ruling prestigious families has like a homestead and at yeah. first i was imagining like okay they've got some bit of countryside out somewhere but then i was like oh yeah it's chilla so they've got a, a cave somewhere but it turns out this is not just a cave it's like a gigantic like it's a cavern like kilometers it's like lando tall. city on uh on coruscant yes exactly in the dome exactly like that it's got clouds it's got some sort of artificial sun um, if you're like, if you're just in the cavern and you don't think about it, you might think that you're uh, on the surface, which is pretty cool. Uh, I wouldn't have minded uh, more scenes there. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the uh, the so because one of the characters goes through the process to become basically the second level within an adopted Chiss family. So we get to see kind of the the test she has to go through. Yeah, they all sound kind of kind of lame to be honest yeah i was like okay she's gonna have to like drain her arm of blood and it's like no she's got to write an exam <laughs> it's but yeah it's basically like a a citizenship test with extra steps where like the yeah. the bloodborne ones don't have to do this bullshit but she does as a trial born or as a a merit adoptive yes yeah because so just uh I do. I do find it's interesting. So basically, how Chiss society worked is that for a while the ruling family it was basically like a, just the ruling families had the most power, and it was it was just bloodline. But now um, the families are you can adopt people and basically add them to your family, and you get prestige and whatever else. And at one point we have uh, Arlani's family and uh, Theron's original or not original his original adopted family both trying to get him to join them so it's like it's interesting to see how they're fighting for like it's like oh you want more of a presence within chist military then maybe you try to adopt some expansionary fleet officers or whatever else mm-hmm. yeah. like they're so to kind of it ties into that but to kind of get back to the uh preemptive strike stuff as well mm-hmm. there there was a lot in outbound flight i have to go and find the interviews again uh, and I think there was even a panel where he was talking about it, but essentially the idea with Outbound Flight, based on when it was written, uh, is that he was talking, like Zan was trying to explore uh, the Iraq War specifically. Right. Uh, and I know Star Wars was political. This is a shock to everyone. Star Wars had a black person in it. It's always been political. 
<laughs> but like that that is That's what true. outbound flight in the the chist society was kind of set up to explore mm-hmm. uh and talk about and that's what the preemptive strike doctrine was like kind of him doing yeah uh so if i'm gonna try to find the interviews with that again uh, yeah that'd be interesting but, good good video too probably but yeah so there there's a lot of that and i think over the next few books we'll probably uh the fact that there's no one on chilla kind of representing this uh, secretive insular society. Maybe we'll see a change in that because mm-hmm. uh, we don't necessarily know how they end up. And we do get a reference to them not always being like that uh, with respect to a uh, a reference to like tour events. Where yeah, that was were weird. Part of the <laughs> Republic. Yeah, because they, they've talked about how uh, Timothy Zahn was actually consulted on the Chiss in tour. Mm-hmm. I think I, that that's started coming up recently because he's doing that thing on Facebook, right? Where he goes through a lot of his yeah. memories of yeah, I've been watching uh, that. involvement and stuff. So a, a bunch of that kind of thing has been kind of bubbling up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that was that was an interesting reference. I was kind of surprised to see that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even Arulani kind of contemplates the fact that this is before I guess she realizes Thrawn's weaknesses, but she's like, "Well, I can see you changing the chest someday, but this is how it is now." She contemplates the fact that the Chiss might not always take such a passive role in the region. Um, but we, we don't mm. really know a whole lot of what happens to the Chiss after this point. Um, we get obviously get a little bit of it in the Imperial era, but, you know, that that context is pretty limited. Is Arlani still an, an admiral in... In the later Thrawn books, she, I think she is. I don't yeah, because think... uh, she has Steadfast, and that's right. who Vanto gets sent to. Right. So the Upside Down Macross is, uh, that's her ship, Steadfast. We talk about ships in this, because I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of ships. There's some names for ships. There's Night, Nothing else. night Dragons Nothing that they else. call. Yeah, Night Dragon Man of War. That's the Chiss, the big Chiss ship, but... The Chiss are kind of positioned, like, it seems like they are fairly um, behind, like, the Republic and the CIS on a tech yeah. standpoint. So, like, I... Like, shields are this massive invention mm-hmm. that really... That allows a small freighter to kind of take the brunt of Turbo yes. Laser from uh, a... I'm not sure how big it was intended to be. It was I think a it was a battle dreadnought. <laughs> Yeah, I think like 600 meters maybe for that. I, I was yeah, trying to I suss out. I didn't even like imagine that big because I'm just thinking like they've got all these names like Battle Dreadnought and like the Man of War, but it's probably a, in the end a pretty small ship compared to like what the rest of the galaxy has by this point. Yeah, like I, I think it was described as like the uh, Yiv's ship is described as half again as big as the Vigilant. So oh, was it? I'm, I missed that. I was looking for that. Yeah. But interesting but we never really get any full scale metrics on that mm-hmm. so yeah they maybe they're like the size of the executor could be i think i'm gonna go with that all of them are the size of the executor even the ones that are described as being bigger or smaller than other ships they're all just the yeah, size that of the freighter that uh thrown piloted by himself and drove into the executor at the yeah. end of, yeah executor for sure yeah Size is relative, and the size relative to everything else is one. Lots of space out in the unknown regions. Might as well make big ships. Yeah. Well, that just makes it hard to fly through the chaos, because you're going to bump into more stuff. 
So, speaking of, this is something that's pretty new too. We knew that the Chiss used four sensitive navigators um, from the Thrawn mm -hmm. books. Skywalkers is not a new idea. But I don't think we ever knew the extent to which other people used... You know, they're not called Force-sensitive, um, but the Navigators are clearly using some some form of the Force. Because they call I think Alliances and Treason does mention does that, it? they, okay. that it's a, that's how people tend to get around, or at least that that's the best way to get around. Mm -hmm. And it kind of ties into how hyperspace travel works early on in Legends as well, mm -hmm. in like the known galaxy, where like the Ricotta hyperspace tech, the main thing, is, it's not that they need it to go to hyperspace, it's just that... Uh, because it all all the lanes shift so much, having a, a force-sensitive yeah. person is necessary for it in the unknown regions. And I think that's that's a pretty... like I really like that way of handling mm -hmm. the fact that there is this big empty space that's unexplored. Because like you were saying, if it just... Millennium Falcon just shows up in this place with no trouble. Like, okay, yeah, why? And then you get like the barrier with uh, mm -hmm. Nagal Nagal or whatever. Yeah. It, and I don't like those as much as the... The idea that it's just like more shifting, harder to map your way through it. And they have changed what the Unknown Region is between Legends and Canon 2. Because mm -hmm. the Unknown Regions now is much more limited in scope. It's like specifically this one area in the Galactic West. Whereas in Legends, it was less of a defined area and more just like a state of not being explored yet. No, it sort of depends because, like, there was if you look a, up like a, a hard border, the, yeah, there was kind of a hard border, and there was attempts to explain a hard border. And like, what I don't made know. I feel like I feel like in different. Legends, the unknown regions is much more expansive. It depends. Yeah, it's much bigger in Legends, but it's not just like it's not been explored. It's like there are it. It varies a lot more from source to source. But well, like, it's, they're... yeah, it's different than not being explored. But like, the distinction between wild space and the unknown regions has shifted yeah. a bit in Star Wars canon, where I think mm -hmm. the unknown regions now is one specific part of space rather than a type of space with whatever qualities. Yeah. I'm saying like not specifically yeah. just. There was the... it was a mix of like that it was different and that it was also unexplored. Like, there was a link there, but mm -hmm. it it was kind of nebulous and varied from author to author yeah whereas now they have a much better idea of what they want it to be yeah i'm just looking up like kind of curious to see how like the other rpg guy has i've got that one saved but mm, yeah all it says is beyond the outer rim territories in the galactic disc a massive area of space actually this one does say specifically western yeah yeah because, like, there, there is the Nagal Nagal mm -hmm. thing where it's, like, created a barrier and then there was stuff to, like, break the barrier and how did the barrier get made? Was it Killix and the Rakatans and Celestials? Like, mm -hmm. okay, that's... But then there's also stuff where it's just like, oh, we just haven't been there yet. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering Legends, but yeah. Well, the problem really is just that Legends didn't have a solid answer for it. It was just whatever. Like that I remember specifically, I think it. it's the Essential Atlas, maybe, which says like the unknown regions comprises more space than the rest of the galaxy put together, or something like that. Um, yeah, like there was the the initial interpretation of unknown regions as just unknown regions, mm -hmm. and that was like you had the core, uh, mid rim. 
outer rim and then unknown regions for a while was also the outer rim because they just didn't know what it was Mm -hmm. and there was like you have mostly in the west but also some stuff all around Mm -hmm. but then it got there were also some things like i think the unknown regions source book uh had it was like no there's this hard barrier that's why it's like goes into the core a bit Mm -hmm. and areas that you would otherwise expect to be explored almost right away because it is hard to get in there it's hard to navigate for reasons we will change multiple times yeah yeah exactly like it, i remember like one random thing is like the i think it's the um the what's it called the the homeworld of the ones changed from the unknown regions in legends now it's in wild space just like a random thing yeah i saw on a map like the like the essential atlas is completely unhelpful too because it says the distinction between wild space and the unknown regions is a simple one wild space has been explored with the findings recorded while the unknown regions have not like that's clearly not the only <laughs> difference like if if i just write yeah. down hey this planet's here that's not enough to uh yeah this term describes all areas that have never been directly surveyed by republican imperial scouts i think that's yeah i don't know that's clearly oh yeah here's the quote well the aggregate of this territory is some the unknown region creature volume nearly triple the size of settled space but just 15 percent of the total stellar mass so it's, it's it's not consistent. I guess is what no you no, no 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 God, God no. Uh, but do you want to? Is there anything else you want to say before we get to maybe rankings and then questions? Or we didn't talk a lot about. Did you like Cheery as a character? Um, we didn't talk about her much. Cheery and um, what was the name of her? Uh, Thalius. Her, yeah, I saw some people complaining a bit about the fact that. I know there's some people who don't like that character. I saw a little bit of that when I enter the uh, the Thrawn stan side of Twitter today. More like, I mean, I thought she was like a decent portrayal of a kid that yeah is kind of being forced into a job that they shouldn't be forced into. It's kind of the same thing as the Jedi Order, where uh, like it's easier to see why the the Skywalkers are kind of immoral, where it's like you're actually putting these young kids on a warship and they're gonna die, mm-hmm. but like it's the exact same as the four sensitives in the Republic getting selected as Jedi and put in positions where they're not given a choice. They're just raised in this, uh, essentially military or paramilitary position that sure they go out and fight individuals like peacekeepers, but they're still probably just going to get murdered by someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, in, the interaction between the, um, the Jedi and the, or I guess the relationship between the Jedi and the, the Skywalkers is interesting. One thing that people mentioned is like how I, it's kind of it's weird how the Chiss kind of just lose their force sensitivity. I guess. Um, yeah, there was like the the implication that some keep it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, like not here, but like in other places, yeah. there was one that kept it much later. Yeah. Uh, so that probably exists in some places, especially because there's this societal expectation that it doesn't happen. So maybe there's yeah. some of that. But it's it's kind of just like how there's some species that have like some force related abilities that we see, mm-hmm. uh, or are more attuned to the force. So I, I kind of just see it as that, and maybe there's some other just, ones that stay that was something that was very kind of like legends like to me with like, mm-hmm. and I didn't expect to see stuff like that in Star Wars canon with like the Asalamiri or um, the various other species that were either really susceptible or not susceptible to force tricks. Um, we, we covered that in Plagueis a bit, but 
Like, I never thought we'd see something like the... I don't think we'll ever see something like the Yuzhan Vong, for example, in Star Wars canon. But it is it is interesting. Wonderful, ever get an explanation for what's going on there. Yeah. So, it's I guess... It's really just going to come down to whatever the authors decide to put in. And I don't think there's many people that are going to tell Timothy Zahn no for ideas like that. Yeah. So, the last thing, really, that we have to cover... Because, like we mentioned, a lot of the plot is kind of just Thrawn figuring out what's going on um, with this greater kind of mystery. Um, but I guess the last question is, who is this Jixtus guy at the end? So there's a navigator, um, Kiori, who works for Thrawn, but he's, he's also working for Eve the Benevolent. Um, he kind of double-crosses Thrawn. He's, he's kind of an unlikable guy because he blames the chest for everything, even though it's completely his own doing. Um, but by the end, he's contacted by... A mysterious voice, a disembodied voice, which has control of his ship. Um, and he refers to himself as somebody who's kind of been watching what's going on and who's ultimately a danger to the the Chiss. Um, and obviously it's no Minor. Uh. <laughs> no, it's... Yeah? No, no, it, it's no Minor. Well, that's not how he operated, though. He was more insert himself somewhere, and I—I'm just surprised he broke the NDA like that. Yeah, I know. No, I imagine it's like, like we're not sub- supposed to sub- talk about the new New Jedi Order. <laughs> the new New Jedi Order. <laughs> it's got to be like a Grisk commander, right? Mm, that'd probably be what's most likely. Or Palpatine. Yeah, I was wondering about Palpatine as well. I don't think Palpatine would call himself Jixtus. <laughs> yeah, that's he already he knows how shitty it is having a lame name with Sheev, so he's like, never yeah, do that like, to myself again. Jixtus is his middle name. Sheev Jixtus Palpatine. <laughs> I became a Sith because everyone made fun of me. Oh, that's hilarious. Um. I wonder, I mean, because there is a bit in the, I think the original Thrawn book where Thrawn's kind of out, like he's laying out all the, the shitty dangers and stuff in the unknown regions. And I guess the Grisk is the main thing. It, it, there definitely is possible that there is some other force. It's just, I don't know how compelling it is because it's the same issue that I kind of had with the Grisk. Like we know that ultimately, however big of a deal they were, they kind of fall to the wayside, I guess, unless they, I guess... You know, there could have been another fight going on in the Unknown Regions this whole time. Maybe yeah. Jixtus is like... Maybe he's like a Sith Eternal guy. And, you know, maybe the Chiss are encroaching on Sith Eternal territory or something. Uh, I'd, I'd be yeah. down for that. That'd be interesting. I think it's kind of why there's such a an attempt to emphasize the fact, like, no, what happens locally is a big deal because mm-hmm. then we can have it be this big deal for the Chiss and maybe fundamentally reshape Chiss society, mm-hmm. but still not necessarily be too weird that it doesn't spill over into yeah. the Empire or the Republic. But that, I I kind of feel like that'd be one of the reasons it's not mm-hmm. the Grizz, is that it it's probably something that's going to be resolved entirely within these three mm-hmm. books. And maybe there's something else that we kind of see about like maybe they're part of that thing I, yeah like, I feel like there's got to be a hook but, like a yeah. greater hook i don't i think you're right i think he might just be you know a juxtinian 
But uh, I feel like there's got to be some sort of hook from this trilogy to everything else that's going on. Yeah. It's not enough that Thrawn becomes a, an Imperial. That's enough for one book, maybe. But not for a whole new trilogy that's disattached from everything else. Um, what do you think of book two is going to... Where do you think that's going to take us? Same time period? Like, is Thrawn's leaving for the Empire pretty soon, I guess? Like, a couple years now? Yeah, I think it's we're just going to kind of stay within this timeline okay. and establish the reasons or more of the reasons that he's sending people back to the Ascendancy later mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully setting up for like a another Thrawn trilogy after Endor, maybe in the time of the mm-hmm. uh, sequel trilogy where the Chiss are starting to change their ways and come into the galaxy more. And then we have uh, the live episode, live action new trilogy of movies that are involving the Chiss with uh, their war against Palpatine's next clones. You sound like a YouTube comment. <laughs> Would you be down for a for a uh, post-sequel trilogy Thrawn series, or Thrawn book, or Thrawn story? How old would he be by then? He'd be quite old. I'd be okay with it. Like, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be that old. He'd be in his... 70s or his 60s yeah yeah i'd i'd be fine with it because no he he's got to be older than that uh yeah because so, that'd make him like right. 40 in the yeah, Thrawn trilogy you're right and he's in his 70s for that so he'd be like 90 Let's see uh on see if he's got an age because he's about what so this is 22? like 18 this is 18 and he's got to be yeah. he's got to be like plus... mid-20s okay so 18 and because he was already he was already at least 55. like 18 when he met thalia's the first time uh and she was like a little girl so this is probably 20 like she's just yeah. about 1920 maybe uh so he's probably just okay, under well, 30 let's, let's in just this. Say, okay let's say he's 30 30 plus 35 years for the uh, well, 30 plus 18 yeah. plus 35 83 yeah so he'd be pretty old not impossible to be alive as long as he escaped from whales whale bellies i mean uh, you can yeah, easily say cool. that he's in weird space with whale bellies for a decade or two with ezra yeah, and that's you know yeah he gets out of that, which he obviously will. They yeah. gotta have more stuff with Thrawn, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like him being part of some like integration of Chiss into the galaxy later on would work. It's just gonna and be answering for why he was an Imperial, maybe in the mm-hmm. New New Republic from the New New Jedi Order. <laughs> it all comes together. See, it's just like okay, so for Thrawn, ever since the Thrawn trilogy, we've known what happens to him. You know, he's had a fate and everything that's come since then has like in legends. Anyway, let's talk about legends first. He's got this, this clear fate, this clear death point. There's all this material that makes his future interesting, but you always know where the character ends up dead. Yeah. Um, kind of an asshole and dead. Yeah. But in Canon now he's still alive and it's really the only time Thrawn has been alive. Uh, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or ha- has a has a future that's uncertain. So for me, I'm going to be really frustrated if they've got to somehow write him out of, you know, the universe to make way for the sequel trilogy. I guess. 
Yeah, I, I think he they've got to do something with him either coming out of that in... Maybe he just immediately goes back to the Chiss and is with them for the entire period of the sequel trilogy. Because, like, the same reason that he wouldn't necessarily have helped the Dark Empire is mm-hmm. why he wouldn't want to go back and help the First Order because it gets rid of whatever yeah. redeeming qualities he might have thought the Empire could have as an ally for the Chiss and his, like, pure dark side warship for Palpatine. But, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, do you want to get to the rankings and then our questions? Sure. Why don't you go first? Well, uh, I really like the book. It is, in my opinion, some of the best writing and handling of the characters that we ever get from Timothy Zahn. Uh so I am debating somewhere in A or S. Wow. I think I'm going to say S. That's great. Possibly even high S. High S. Wow, you liked it that much, eh? I did. I definitely get where you're coming from. For me, though, as much as I do love learning about just society, <coughs> I thought the book was really dry at some parts. Hmm. And I would have liked even more world building. Um, I guess there was more about the unknown regions that I would have liked to have not been treated like it was common knowledge, I guess, or or I guess it's hard to explain. I don't really know what I wanted, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked Thrawn. I've got high hopes for the chil- the trilogy, but I think for me it's got to be a B. The uh, trilogy? The, the, the trilogy, yes. Nice. Yeah, that was totally on purpose. No, I, 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 get, just, I get that. It, it's, I don't know. Like For me, it's, it, I go back and forth because I do think that like Zahn's writing has continued to improve in many ways, but I just, that hook wasn't quite there for me yet. Um, and I, I was hoping there would be some greater hook to start off the trilogy. Yeah. Like even just a, a mention of Palpatine, uh, I guess Palpatine is mentioned a couple of times, but like something to kind of connect, but I guess that's not necessarily what this trilogy is going for. It's supposed to be its own kind of thing. So yeah. But I, I enjoyed it. I'll give and it I a... do feel like that gives it more freedom to not just be like the main problem with the Thrawn trilogy, like the new Thrawn trilogy, the the, the middle Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. where it's like almost everything is the outcome is known. With this, at least we have some questions about like, who are these people? What's the results for the Chiss? Even if we kind of know what happens to Thrawn himself. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm really excited to see what comes next. Do we know when Book 2 is coming out? Has does it ever released date yet? Uh, I don't think so. Well, I assume next year, but... Yeah. One thing that I... Like, I just think of, like, Heir to the Empire, and that's a very high standard to meet. But, like, in that book, there's a lot of things set up in Book 1 that really, really pay off in, in Book 2 and 3. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I'm not sure what could set up, like, what set up in this book could really pay off. I think the biggest thing would be, like, um, i got to check the, the character page because I forget their names. Um, the Turfian and, uh, what was the other guy's name? The one that, Kior, no. Zestukaduk? Uh, yeah. Like I think I think that's going to pay off what we learned about them and the alliance they made. Basically, two rival families. Yeah, uh, I think alliance. we're going to get a lot more internal chiss mm-hmm. 
issues in the next ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's 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 good though. I'm I'm excited. Hopefully, I wonder if we'll see Eli. It'd be, be kind of cool. Um, I feel like I've we've really got to before the next book, we're gonna have to cover the Thrawn books on Tathcalf. I think. Yeah, because for sure. there's a lot that I like just didn't really remember very well. Um, I don't know. Actually, I haven't read at least one of them. Did you read the one I, that was I've like skimmed them for like the, the Anakin no. bit? Oh, okay. No, I might actually have only read Thrawn and then I've skimmed the other ones for information on certain things. I don't think I've ever actually fully read both of them. So, like the conversation with Anakin and Thrawn—that's like straight out of the the Thrawn Alliance's book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I recognize the yeah parts of that. And then, so like that five weeks where they're gone is basically Thrawn tracking down. Like he helps Anakin track down this giant conspiracy about like a secret CIS weapons lab and stuff. Yeah, because like I I've read. Uh, I specifically looked through all the parts with like the Skywalkers mm-hmm. and the uh, the kind of nature of the unknown regions from yeah. that stuff because I was doing a video comparing that to the earlier parts of like the earlier periods of Legends space travel. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I think that's the main stuff that I went through for. So we definitely need to do those. Yes. There... Next week we're doing Bane three. Yes, I'm hopefully much Dynasty shorter people. book than this. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get through this this week. I was a busy fella, but got her done. Yeah, I think it's it's the shortest of the Bane books, which oh, are good. always relatively easy to get through. Yeah. So. This was like a 15, 16-hour audiobook, and the longest Bane one has been 10 hours. So I think it only took me like four hours to read this. So like in text, it wasn't that Wow. Long. It's 400 pages, I think. Did you? Is yeah, you but a, the, it's you big font, big or? pages. Yeah, I got the hard hardcover. It's three seven or yeah, somewhere in the three eighty yeah range. But it, it's relatively large font. And then when you get to the memories pages, they're indented a little bit more. I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. So it's it really wasn't that as bad. I was really stressing about it up until yesterday. Yeah, I was wondering if you were gonna because I I thankfully started well in advance, but. When uh, Del Rey sent out the review copy, they're like, "There's a big secret. Don't tell anyone about the blue pages." <laughs> like, I don't know what they're talking about. It's like it's gonna be a big thing. <laughs> I no idea. Yeah. The Thrawn's in it. Like, I don't. Oh, well, your page really... is not blue. Is that the se- like? Like, does, does your book not have blue pages? It does. Okay. That was the secret. That it had blue pages. Like, Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like, the, the picture's cool. I don't know, like, the picture at the front, I'm going to put this on screen. I thought it was a really cool image, but I, I wouldn't call it a, a groundbreaking secret. Um, okay, that's... I don't know whether that or the uh, Journey to Batu reveal is stranger in messaging than i mean i was a little more excited about the blue pages it, it looks nice yeah dana dana to be fair when she saw me reading it did say "Ooh, blue edges <laughs> and so it, it was pretty epic i can't pretend it wasn't you have a uh, spot on your shelf for such a blue paged book uh i'll see if i can point it out for the people listening in video 
but this is my Canon shelf right there mm -hmm. right now. It's going right right there. And if someone was right interested, there. they could always check out the office tour you did. That's true. I did do that. But, uh, but yeah, we have some emails. Did you, actually no? You you started you said at the start of the podcast what your ranking was. You said did you say B again? Uh, B, yeah, I'm not going to keep it. B? B, okay. Uh, but we do have our first email. So if you guys have any questions in chat that you'd like us to answer about uh, Thrawn ascendancy, chaos rising, Timothy Zahn, number one New York Times bestselling author, <laughs> uh, then just tag me at Corey's Datapad in chat, and we'll get to those after our email questions. Uh, but we're going a little bit long, so we'll probably try to just stick to questions about the book yeah. for that one today. Uh, but for email, our first email is from Ewan. <laughs> Hi, Corey and Justin. Got a question. Why did she leave? Just do be like that sometimes. Now, this is clearly referring to uh, why <laughs> why Thales didn't go with them on the mission. Uh, yes. She needed to do her trials because yes. Therafine was going to find out. Yeah, she is. She's very clever. Um, she basically forced his hand when she was. He was trying to play politics. Very much liked it. Yeah. Uh, Green Machine. It's only the, the. It's only the. It's not. It's like the the out. Here, I'll the, put it on like uh, a centimeter of the page that's got a blue outline. Uh, I'll show you guys on the on the stream there. This is this is what they look like, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, it's nice. I I would like. I'm not trying to say it's bad. Just that I would not call that a closely guarded industry secret. They also said there was going to be blue words. I didn't see. I mean, I didn't read the book. I just listened to it. But I didn't. Don't see any blue words. Uh, I think the word blue was in here a couple times. Uh, like blue skinned. Uh, yeah. Like they're technically. I guess the chapter <laughs> the covers are. Here's the one of the memories pages, and you got the. The Chiss Ascendancy logo, mm -hmm. the ugly version that they now have. Uh, two colors. Well, that was the old one too, wasn't it? It, it was slightly more colors. Or it's just it's a it's always it's, it's, been, it, it's always been ugly, but they they made it a different kind of ugly. At least this is kind of like it. minimalist ugly. I guess there's something. Well, we kind of touched at it, on it at the start, but like this does, in a lot of ways, just fit right in as a an outbound flight sequel. Mm -hmm. So. For people who are looking for maybe a canon book to start with, I think this one might be a good connection and jump off point that kind of highlights that in both. Oh, series, the new logo doesn't have the gradient that. anymore. Oh no! Yeah. To be honest, yeah, the gradient looks, like it looks really bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Oh, I've got a quick question. Are you going to use any of the uh, new Chiss ships in in Thrones Revenge? Just the names. Probably the name references and like the, the name lists that come up when you hover over stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what that's going to be. So that'd be pretty epic. Okay. More information coming soon. Don't also, how soon. happy must the Chiss have been to have had Thrawn offer to fake exile himself from the Ascendancy? Like they must have been happy. Uh, yeah, I feel like that solves everyone's problems pretty well. So mm -hmm. good job, Thrawn. You're learning. Has um, it was Park who did that, right? Is it still Park in canon? Uh, yeah, I think Park finds him. But whereas in Legends, it was a it was a Victory Star Destroyer. In canon, it's a Venator that's striking oh, past his. Oh, what's the point? Venators are cooler. 
is the point. I think allegedly. Like, I don't remember Park doing anything in, after that in canon. Like I think he's kind of just been. Yeah, I don't think because in Legends he like that he goes and forms the Empire of the Hand, right? Or helps. Uh, yeah, he's like kind of the steward for the Empire of the Hand after Thrawn. He's like, like the, he's uh, the old man in Thrawn duology, right? Yeah, yeah, because like Thrawn's like, I'm just gonna run out for some smokes. I'll be back in ten. <laughs> Brb, and then lol. Soon tier, yeah, soon tier. I was like, he's coming back. No. <laughs> Please, Dad. <laughs> so he's his dad. Parks is or Thrawn's daddy. Parks, uh, Grampy. Soon tier yeah. fell is a uh, little baby uncle. Please, you know, Zutir Fell's the angry teenager. <laughs> if I call Thrawn Daddy three more times, the uh, Thrawn Stan Twitter people are just going to accept <laughs> me with open arms. <laughs> we were wrong. Sorry. <laughs> you should just change your Twitter name to Daddy Thrawn. I'll change it to Daddy Eck after uh, my daughter is born, just for like a week. So you're, you're not currently Daddy Eck? Well, well, I guess I guess Gus calls you Justin, so you're just gonna make your daughter call you Eck. No, he calls me he calls me Daddy more now. He went through a phase for like two weeks where it was just like, Kelsey, it's, it was it was Kelsey. She teaches him all this bullshit. Like I'll be sleeping and I'll just the door will just fly open and I'll hear Justin, wake up! And I'm like, what? And I look down and there's just Gus standing there, fists clenched by his sides, just like <laughs> wake up, Justin, wake up. I'm like you're not even two. How like how are you this like? How do you know all this shit? I'm like daddy. Another thing that's kind of annoying is whenever I go downstairs, he's like, like whenever I go to my office, he's like, daddy's daddy's going out, and he's got a big smile on his face, like as if he wants me to leave. <laughs> well, doesn't he like going for drives sometimes? Maybe he he's just hoping he'll drives, get. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just hoping he'll get invited along for the trip. Gus, I would say, has listened to more Star Wars Legends audiobooks than probably, I'd say, like, 98% of Star Wars fans. No, 99.98%. Well, is a Star Wars fan defined as anyone who just says they like the movies? That that was the uh, issue. That's why I had to change it. Yeah, because, like, if you can't name every clone, are you really a Star Wars fan? Yeah. Uh, we have a second email. Oh, we wow. have like 10 emails to get through. All right. Uh, zoom, zoom, I guess. No, let's, let's afford each email the attention it deserves, Justin. Okay, sorry. We'll do that. Justin, smarten up. I will. Like, come on, Jesus fucking Christ. I, I can't even read this one. You, you do it. I can't. I don't have it open. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, Tapcap Transmissions, I have a two-part question. This is from Joel Davis. Do you think it's possible to reconcile the Thrawn from New Canon books with the Thrawn from Rebels? I feel like Zan goes out of his way to soften Thrawn for some of the more harsher aspects we see in Rebels. Uh, the biggest example being that in his first ex- appearance in Season 3, it suggested Thrawn was responsible for a battle that had heavy civilian casualties. Well, the original Thrawn book retconned that to be more Governor Price. Uh... And a second part is that if it's likely that Dave Filoni is going to go ahead and wrap up Thrawn's story in the tre- television media, be it live action or animated, do you think they'll try to combine the two Thrawns? So I think the second one we kind of talked about our opinions on 
whether yeah. when he'll show up again. And we're kind of up in the air on that. I think he probably but will do you think... wrap it up. I don't think I don't think yeah. Timothy's going to get the chance, unfortunately. Hmm. So, what do you think about the uh, the idea of two Thrawns, not through cloning? Um, I think probably Timothy Zahn does whatever he wants with the character, and he's had to be a bit more deferential when it comes to TV shows, but he'll make things work the way he wants it to. Yeah. I do think... And I think... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I do think that uh, TV Thrawn is definitely a bit crueler than Book Thrawn. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's kind of this divergence between, like, uh, Thrawn trilogy, Thrawn, and then later Thrawn from Zan as well, mm-hmm. where he tries to soften it and make him a more sympathetic character. So, uh, and you you get this with every character where the different portrayals by different people is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of just it comes with the territory of having that many people working on it, and when even the original author's interpretation of the character does evolve over time. Mm-hmm. So I don't. It doesn't bother me that much. I do think there's a kind of significant difference, but. Yeah. I, I enjoy Thrawn in Rebels as well. Me I too. think he's a fun villain. Mm-hmm. And I think he's like reasonably close to what you'd expect Thrawn to be, especially considering that it's like uh, a cartoon where like by the end of the 30 minutes or the season, he has to be defeated in some way and is has to be the villain. Yeah, and and when you write a protagonist, it's just a bit easier to make him softer too, especially if it's a Star Wars Yeah, one. Yeah, good question. Let's move on. I don't have it open, so you're going to have to read it, Corey, because uh, I'm a scrub. All right, this next email is from Justin Taylor. <coughs> I don't have a voice, so I can't read it. <laughs> I'll screen share to you, and then you... Uh, Thrawn question, so how much of the old Legends just gone has basically been brought over wholesale to give Zen, eh, given Zen is the one writing? Uh, I think we covered that pretty well. Yeah. Uh, what was it like in Legends with the Force for Chiss? We kind of covered that as well. And yeah, so a lot of the rest of the throwing questions there are about the force. What we did kind of. Dude, I'm blocking Jeff from Stitcher. What the hell, man? Is. Are do you go into the the promotions and stuff? Oh yeah, I was in. I was in. That's all that's your fault. Man. Yeah, never mind. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, bud. Like Jesus Christ, dude. And Bane questions are: We can all agree that Sith two Sith is far too few to realistically survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think would it be an appropriate number of Sith? I think the one Sith probably had it, probably had it right. To be honest, how about just the rule of not fucking murdering each other? Yeah, can we just say that Lord Khan was right? Maybe I think like two Sith, just like kind of spread out, probably is a good idea. <laughs> two Sith on opposite sides of the room. Yeah. yeah, maybe the best situation really was what happened, where like there was the rule of two Sith and the one Sith and the true Sith, and they were all just kind of unaware of one each Sith, other. True Sith. Oh, what are some other Sith? <laughs> Bane Sith. Uh... Blue Sith. Something. There was the the Chiss Sith order, which was the blue Sith. Yeah, we had to do better. One Sith, true Sith, Bane Sith, lost Sith. I'll, no, that I'll work on it. Uh, yeah, I I think really that no matter how many Chiss you or not Chiss, how many Sith you have, they're going to be murdering each other. And if you have, try to have too few, they're not going to be very effective. If you have too many, they're just going to murder each other, and they're going to be like, oh, we should have fewer of this. They're they're just. They're hopeless. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. And which Sith way of operating makes more sense to you in terms of op- attempting to eliminate the Jedi? I really don't think the Sith are ever going to be able to do that. No. And not even just because of 
uh, plot armor. I think it's just like their philosophy is ineffective and dumb, mm -hmm. and people will find books about the Jedi as long as there's Force sensitives. Something like the Jedi is going to pop up. Yeah. Uh, there are a few other unrelated questions there, but I think oh, is the Starhawk really an ugly capital ship? Because well, it's made from Star Destroyer parts. It, isn't it also made in a way where you could essentially just weld the parts of two broken ships to each other like most uglies? Because uh, this goes back to a discussion we had on the previous episode yeah. when we called the Starhawk the closest. It's you not get to really the ugly. an ugly because I think the chief principle of an ugly is you use whatever you have on hand to make something that can just fly. Yeah. So really, is the Starhawk an ugly? No, not really. I don't think. Right, controversial stances. Yeah. Next we have from John. Just read Plagueis, which I was made aware of, thanks to you two. Nice. You are welcome. That is that is a public good that we've just done, Justin. Yes, it is. About time. Oh, that's it? There's no question? Uh, no. Oh. 114D immediately accepts Palpatine as his new master after Plagueis' death. Is that a conscious decision? Do droids have any sense of post-indentured life? I think he's just very uh, pragmatic, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't, you don't tell Sidious, like, no, like even, he will murder you. Even battle droids, which have like the shittiest programming ever, have like self-preservation instincts. Um, yeah, and like uh, John asks about uh, why he would defer to him instead of just attempting to avenge the deceased master. I think like there is a certain amount of self-preservation there, and like droids aren't just like pure mechanical if a then b in no, star wars no. they tend to be like, like just you you have people trying to almost. negotiate with droids all the time like they had that in in uh, we saw that in alphabet squadron remember she tries to negotiate with her droid to yeah the, of course you see it in episode seven with bb8 um, yeah the, I, I really do think it's just like don't don't tell sidious no yeah and really it's just like okay this is my job now i serve more sith people yeah, exactly. Uh, he probably knows too. He's probably had like his uh, the Sith teachings uploaded to him, so he's like, okay, the rule two just happened. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> this keeps happening. I've served sixty-seven <laughs> Sith masters now. Um, next question we have for this one. Uh, there is an email for Tyler that I'm going to put aside for now because that'll probably become more relevant next week where we're talking about some jedi sith stuff mm -hmm. but next question is from asher what are each of your favorite star what's each of your star wars film rankings okay that's definitely something that'll probably need its its own, yeah. its own episode let's just say our favorite uh, and least favorite i think that'll still get into a thing let's just say our favorite more time <laughs> I know you. Okay, yours. you first. Well, how about we? How about this? How about we just guess each other's favorite? Your favorite, I think, is Rogue One because you've said it multiple times. I said it's either Rogue One or Empire Strikes Back, and they okay. alternate. Okay. But your favorite is uh, Return of the Jedi. Yep. I remembered because I'm a good friend. Yep. I'm a shitty one. Yeah. And that's probably as good a place as any to end it. I think. Um. I think I'm going to try to, either this week or next, get a nice um, list together that you guys can access of the our book rankings because I we don't have one right now, and that's my fault because I lost it. So try to get one put together um, so you guys can access it and 
we'll figure out everything else. But yeah, yeah, because we uh we've got a stream coming up in 15 minutes playing Fall Guys, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we need to run and go to the bathroom. I am starving. Get some food. So have to cut the questions a little bit short here. Yep. But uh, yeah, just a reminder. Just, next what do you think week, we learned today? We are reading book three of the Bane trilogy, and uh, you can Darth Bane trilogy. Yes, you can Darth Angry Bane. Yes. You can email your questions to tapcalftransmissions at gmail.com. And make sure you yeah, follow and rate five stars on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We should be saying that, but we're not. Yeah, well, even the ones that just do like thumbs up, thumbs down features, make sure you email their customer support, ask for them to implement a one to five star system on our podcast and rate accordingly. Mm -hmm. Goodbye, everybody. So, <laughs> bye.